That's Natasha and Minahill. They're two 13-year-old girls who live in the direct provision system. It was set up 15 years ago to put a roof over the heads of people seeking refugee status in Ireland. It was meant to last six months. Today, most asylum seekers have been living in the system for years. There are 1,600 other kids like Natasha and Minahill growing up in similar centres around the country. I'd like them to show me around, tell me about their lives, but I can't. That's because they're standing behind a security barrier. As a journalist, I'm not allowed to pass it. So we had an idea. If we couldn't go in to report, why not recruit two young reporters instead? And that's where Natasha and Minahill come in. We gave them two recorders and asked them to record their lives. Hi there, I'm Natasha and I'm 13 years old. Hi, I'm Anahil and I'm 13 as well. This is our first documentary, so bear with us a minute. We're just getting used to working it's our quarters. Wait, let's start again. Like, have you played it? Pause. Oh no, just. Like, let's stop and do another. <laughs> I'm only messing. Sorry, you have to cut that out as well. Hi, my name is Natasha Maiba. Sorry, cut that again. Manaho, you're confusing me. Can you pause that? Cool, you confuse me. Don't say anything. Just what I say is what I'm going to say. I'm not going to be able to say Sophisticated. Anything. But still. They don't say the word because they won't know how to put it in the I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say it the way I'm going to say it. So, to give you an idea of where we are made to live... Let us show you around. It shouldn't take too long. It's not a mansion or anything. Oh, it's gross. I forgot. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> Let's start at the most obvious place. The entrance. And there's a whole banner there saying, Welcome to Affluent Accommodation Centre. There's a sign saying, All visitors must report to reception. There's a barrier and a security desk with, you guessed it, a security guard. We walk by him every morning, and we say hello on our way to school. See you guys, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah? Hey. The next stop on our tour is... Art museum, ice cream factory, bowling alley. The caravan park. I'll see you g- uh, later. Ah, the caravan park, of course. I'll see you later. See ya. Okay, um, so now I'm at the park, and what they've done is, just out of the park, they've put 1 to 10 in the row, row of uh, 1 to 10, 11 to 20, um, 21 to 30, 31 to 40, 41 to 50, 51 to 60, 61 to 70, 71 to 80, 81 to 90, and 91 to 100. And we are, there are 100 caravans. We have been put in... Um, Columns um, of ten, so it's ten columns, um, and uh, in each column there are obviously ten caravans. Morning. This is my caravan. It's very small. Me and my mother and my older brother live here. I've entered with the back door, and then right next to the bathroom is my mother's bedroom. About a meter away from my mother's bedroom is um, my bedroom, and I'll say about a meter and a half away from 
There is no such thing as privacy. Sometimes my sister is upset. I can hear her crying when I'm in bed. Tablets. Pills and potions. Our accommodation center is in the middle of... Wait for it. Wait for it. This is good. I can just see them making like tablets really for something like cancer or something like that. I'm not really sure. but No, I think they're making things that help other people, but they don't really help us. It's in an industrial estate. It's about a four kilometer walk to Athlone. You heard right, an industrial estate, factories, departments, businesses. Um, it's either a gas station or a medicine place. No, it's a medicine. Where they make medicine? Yeah. There are about a hundred caravans. It's surrounded by fences. Then, it's surrounded by an industrial estate. There's a big blue factory over there. We walk by it every day. The big blue factory. But we're not exactly sure what is made in there. But as my mom said, the irony of staying here is that we have the Department of Education right next to us, but we can't have third level education. So, yeah. Cool. Quote, quit it. Twitter, hashtag, can't handle it. Yeah. It can't handle it. We really can't handle it. Like, we feel as if there's just... Oh, the fans are starting now. There's this barrier. Look at them, they're moving. Huge barrier. It's invisible, but it's, it's really stopping us from getting a normal life. You may be wondering, because we all do, all the time, how did we end up here? How did I end up here in a caravan in Westmeath? How did we end up living in a caravan in the middle of an industrial estate on the edge of Athlone? The direct provision system was established by the government in the year 2000. At the time, it was announced as a humanitarian response to a major increase in the number of asylum seekers coming here. Today, more than 4,000 people live in 34 accommodation centres scattered around the country, run by private firms on behalf of the state. To date, it's cost the taxpayer more than 800 million euros. Mom, I just got the sheet um, for the food from the reception. They asked um, you to fill it in. Here you go. Uh, so what are we what? getting for this week, Mom? Yeah, what cereal do you want? My mom only gets 19 euro and 10 cents to survive for the week. I've never seen her cook. Everything comes from the canteen. My mom back home had a big office and worked in human resources. I know she's sad when she has to fill out a list asking someone for handouts. And we'll take uh, one low-fat butter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll, oh, we'll need to get milk. Uh, let's take jam. Maybe our parents have some answers. How we got here. Where are we going? That's why I've decided to interview my mother. Mama? Yeah? When did we come here? I don't remember. When did we come here? Was it 2011 or 10? It was in March 2011. 
Okay, but why did we come here? We came here because of all the problems that I am in Zimbabwe. And because we couldn't stay there anymore. Do you remember how much problems I was having with the, at the police station? But what happened, Mom? Remember when, we, when I had to go to the police station when I'd come back from picking up from town? Oh, yeah. um, sorry, from school? Mm. Remember what happened? Yes. What happened? What do you remember? I just remember um, the police coming and um, uh, calling you and taking you and then we went in and then um, you got sick over there and uh, they wouldn't uh, let me help you and then I had to ask them. I had to ask them to get some food for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But why didn't, then why don't we, why um, didn't we go back to Zimbabwe with Daddy? Why did he have to stay in England? And then... Well, we have to, Daddy has to stay there because of all the problems he was having in Zimbabwe. It wasn't safe for him to, it's not safe for him to go back to Zimbabwe. Mom, just because, like, um, we're not citizens yet, does it not mean we don't have the same rights? No, we don't have the same rights because they say, like, now you are not, um, oh, how do I explain this to you? At the moment, you're like a person without a proper country because you can't go back to your country to your country because of the problems that are there and you can't stay legally or with rights in this country because they haven't accepted you. So at the moment we're just people with no with no country. So um how long like do are we gonna have to stay here? I don't know Natasha. I wish I could honestly answer you that question. I don't know. Um, I have no idea. When we came, you know, they said maybe six months, but now it's gone longer. We've been here for, we're coming close to four years now, so I don't know. You know, Auntie, the one that used to stay in in Mobile 17, she had stayed in this country for, for 12 years before she got a response. Really? Yeah. But like, why, why can't they just judge it quick, quickly? You know, we come here. It doesn't take three, four, five years to judge somebody's case. It's either you're gonna accept them or you're not. Oh, we're hoping that's what will happen soon. Uh, you know, like since we have come, like this year, um, the new minister of justice has put in, um, has put in um, a, a new procedure that is supposed to judge people's cases quickly so that they decide whether or not you're allowed to stay. And if you're not allowed to stay, then you go back to your house. Okay. Thanks anyways, Mom. Hey, guys, I'm going to my house, and yeah, it's going to be noise. So watch out. Hey, guys. I have to come back here and do this view. I wanted to interview my mom, but she doesn't speak English. She's from Pakistan. So I tried to interview the rest of my family in the caravan. Note tried. I share the caravan with my mom, my brother, and my two sisters. They're all younger than me. Except my mother, of course. 
by my little brother. That's who you hear there going wild. Oh my god! Yo! My sister just said yo to Mike, but Yella! Yo, keeps. Freaks. This is what life is like a lot of the time in our caravan. So instead, as silly as it sounds, in the end, I interviewed myself. Um, why are you living here? That, that's, that's the question I would ask. That our country isn't safe enough. Like with the Taliban and all them type of people that can kill you. That's what really keeps us from going back. And that's what keep, kept us here. That thought that if we go back, we're just going to die. There is a bit about my education. Like there, I can't be educated because girls can't get educated. But here, they don't really care if it's a girl or a boy. And that's what's cool about Ireland. In not involving those places where we are kept, it's actually a great country. And I was five when I came here. And unlike other children, I understood what was going around me. Like, I'm not saying I was this intelligent diet child like Einstein or something but I didn't understand what was going on that I was fleeing from my country for a for a reason I didn't know the reason but I knew I was fleeing fleeing from the country me my brother my sister and my sister yeah my me my brother my mom and my sister how was the plane flight I remember that my mom didn't really have enough money to buy like all the things in the shop that we were asking, but she had enough money to buy a, a pencil case full of chocolate and it was so delicious. It was a cow. I think we still have that because it's kind of like our a mem, memory thing that we know what it, it and how it was there. It's kind of funny, like a family joke that we couldn't afford actual food, so we had to get chocolate. We still, I, I don't can't find the cow. I hope my mom didn't throw it, but I think we still have that cow. And in the uh, past, when my mom wanted to make me forget about a uh, home, she would just give me that cow, and I would sleep with it. Yeah, I would sleep with a pencil case. It, it, it kind of is strange that the strangest things can be the most comforting, comforting things in the world. When I was coming here, I thought it was going to be this magical land with, you know, I'm not saying fairies and stuff, but a cooler place than what it is now. Now, I'm just, what? What is this place? Recording. I'm recording everybody. Today was my first day of secondary school, the 26th of August. And me and Natasha, my friend, best friend, we had this plan at the start when we were only little, more like nine. We had the plan that when we go to second school, we're going to pretend we live in a mansion with a pool and everything. And we know Barbie and 
now that I look back, I was stupid. Like everyone knows. <laughs> Start again. That was stupid. Asylum seekers aren't allowed to work. Ireland is one of two EU countries which prohibit people seeking refugee status from joining the workforce. The government argues that extending the right to work would lead to more people seeking asylum here. Asylum-seeking children are entitled to attend primary and secondary school. But access to third-level education is impossible for most because they don't qualify for free education. That's me and Minahal singing as we walk around the accommodation centre. We like music. Correction, we love music. So we're going to start up a band. We even have a name for it, Emni. It's based on the initials of our names and our friends. We'll sound like a mix between Little Mix and Destiny's Child. My favourite is Destiny's Child, because I love Beyonce. But better, Natasha's a really good singer, and I can rap. It would be cool if we could set up a music room here at the centre. I've asked, but I haven't heard anything back. Yeah, that's what you expect. It would, it would help to, to pass the time. It gets really boring. I guess other kids have a lot of things to do. But here, you spend a lot of time waiting. Day after day. Waiting for what? I don't know. Um, this is one of my songs from church um, called Draw Me Close to You. Draw me close to you So, someday, me and Natasha were just walking around talking about how contradicted I feel when someone gets their papers. You do! You're happy, and you're sad, but a lot happy, a little sad. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's so fun when someone gets the papers. The whole community gathers, and the whole community celebrates and says, you know, congratulations. Act like it's them who got their papers. And I'm always happy, but... Sometimes I feel a bit sad that I'm not getting my papers. I mean, not to be wrong, I'm happy for the people who got it. It's but Renal, are you coming? Or you're saying that? When all of a sudden you find... Oh my gosh, look at that. Is that a cat or a dog? Oh my god, there's a dead cat. It's a cat. No, it's a cat. Oh my god, there's a dead cat right in the middle of a field. There are cats that roam around here all the time. And then there's a dead one. Stupid. How did the cat die? It looks like a kitten. Look, its eyeball is popped out. If you can see it. Its eyeball. Yeah, do you want to take a picture of that? Yeah. Don't want to get too close.
So, um, how has it affected your siblings? You know, um, because you're the oldest, obviously, you're more, you have more of a responsibility to take care of them and um, to comfort them. So, how was it, what toll has it taken on your younger sisters and your brother? Well, for them, it's not serious as it is for me because they don't understand what it is happening, what is happening and what might happen. Like, they don't know we can be sent away at the night. They don't know these things because we try to keep it away from them in order they can sleep, obviously. Okay, um, and just give me a little, a short little thing about life in school, um, how you're coping with all this happening and the school. Just give me a brief little um, insight on it. I actually don't mind as much because when the bus stops, it's it's not close. They can't see where we live. And I'm grateful for the bus driver doing that. Okay, so... um. In three in three words, describe this center. Cramped, useless, and and definitely careless. I feel like it's kind of in a prison because we have a back gate, a front gate, and then we have this whole granite hill surrounding us. So when I look at this place, my first insight is a prison. You're being fed the wrong food, treated in the wrong way. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. Can you tell me why you think it is cramped? Cramped, firstly, because there's so many people, so little houses, but also cramped because when you enter the mobile home, it's kind of like it takes five seconds to go through it all. Mm. It's like one of those tree houses children make when they're younger. That is how we're, we're living in generally a tree house. Hey, Natasha. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. So, how do you feel about living here? And I'm not even talking about the caravan or anything. I'm talking about... Ireland. Yeah, how do you feel about Ireland? Well, um... Living here, it's like... It's very kind of hard because you don't keep your friends. Even if your friends are deported or they get their papers. So, you know, you're not as close as you were before. And that, like, boundary does disrupt the friendship. So when you first came to Ireland, um, you went to school. Were you afraid of showing people where you lived now? Is there a difference between then and now? Like, well, when I first came here, I was told um, by my friends that um, we shouldn't really talk about where we live or tell anybody because we'll probably get bullied or stuff like that. But two years passed before I actually had the courage and trust in them to tell my friends. And because we had built this friendship over two years already, um, it was easier. And the first time they found out was when I was inviting them to a small little party I was going to have. And um, I told them that I lived in a caravan. And they were all like, oh, that must be cool and everything. They don't really know the real story. They just think this is a caravan site. And some days you wonder if it's going to be your day. 
and some days you just find an abandoned haunted car full of you'll never guess what spiders yes you heard right spiders yes spiders it's a spider car spider car that belongs to spider-man in a spider house okay we get you okay you know that car we should um give it to um i'm a celebrity get me out of here like with all the spiders and everything get the girls to sit inside some alligators and stuff inside of here <laughs> mama it's really it's creepy like right. st patrick could have taken out spiders instead of snakes well now i actually prefer snakes being out than spiders um you know what Both okay what i don't like about insects is like bees okay so there you have your window and it's open only a little bit and they find that little hole to come inside and to wander around your house. But then when they want to leave, they can't go out in that same... Even when you open up the window so wide for them to go out, they won't go out. I'm so like, it's like, come in the way you went out. And I was even telling my friend, they don't even knock at first, you know? At least give us a bit of a warning that you're coming. Asylum seekers aren't entitled to regular social welfare payments. Instead... They receive 19 euros 10 a week and 9 euros 60 for children. The payments have been frozen since they were introduced 15 years ago. So you know how we feel about living here. I figured I could talk to some residents about how they feel about living here for so long. It was hard to get people to talk to me. They were scared. They think talking to the media might affect their status papers. But one mother agreed to talk to me. She didn't want me to give her name away. Um, okay, so, um, hello, how are you? I'm good, and yourself? Good, thank you. And could you tell us um, where you're from? I'm from Athlone Accommodation Centre. So could you just tell me um, briefly, how do you feel about living here? Uh, it's very tough uh, for all, if you have a lot of, like, I have three kids and for them it's very difficult staying in a kind of position like this because there's no space or even now in this in the winter time there's no space inside to play you know and they can't go outside so it's it's actually tough for them as well even with the you know with my little girl now she's starting to walk now and there's no space even to put a walking ring and stuff like that um so really um the way they see it is we have no nationality. We're running from our home, coming here, and we have not been said to be Irish or anything. So we have really no nationality, which means that um, when we come here, we don't have the same rights as all the other children. How do you feel about that? The children that was born in 2004 and 2005, that they say is Irish-born, which was also asylum seekers, what is our children now that's also born here? They ain't like when I went for my son and they put the nationality South African. He's not a South African. He's born here. He's a he's, you know, he's supposed to, he's Irish uh, nationality, you know. But I don't know how they work here. But it's actually it's it's sad because those that was what's the difference with those in 2004 and the ones that is born now yes. because if uh, myself I'm a, I'm a South African I'm born in South Africa my nationality is South African I can't they can't tell me I'm Irish nationality no because I'm born South Africa so my children I don't know they know they know where in the world because if they're not Irish where they born here so where else what else are they one two three 
This is one thing. What nationality are the children born here? It is confusing. Are you Athlonian? Lizzie Willian? From the Republic of Direct Provision. You got that right. That's <laughs> 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 This is my new song called Tell Me That I'm Beautiful. interview another resident. This lady who doesn't want me to mention her name lives on the site. She's my neighbor and she got sick and is now in a wheelchair. Hello. Uh, today I'm going to be talking to um, citizen, uh, um, resident in a, a, an accommodation centre. Hello. Hi. I'm just going to be asking a few questions. Is that fine? Yeah, that's fine. What's your... I've heard that your situation is different to what average people um, might have. Could you please tell me about your situation? Yeah, the situation is different now because uh, I had a medical problem. I was in hospital on and off. And since I came back from hospital, it's not the same anymore. And I'm, I use wheelchair and it's only me here who is using wheelchair in this big uh, accommodation and there's no facilities for I would say it's disabled people in this center and yeah so what would your daily life be now your day-to-day basis it's hard I can't do the things that I used to do before I can walk on my own I have to sit on the wheelchair all the time. I need help. Like, I can't go, I can't do anything on my own. Okay, so um, how do children cope with this? They don't cope 
because their moms can't do anything for them. I used to take them to town, used to take them everywhere, but now, because of my situation, I can't do anything. I can't take them anywhere. So it's very hard for them. Last year, authorities in the north sought to return an asylum seeker and her three children to the Republic, where they initially sought asylum. But the Northern Ireland High Court prevented the move on the basis that returning the family to the direct provision system wasn't in the children's best interests. The judge found that factors such as living conditions and welfare restrictions meant the children were better off staying in the North. Me and Tasha have a lot in common. We both live in direct provision, both live in caravans. We're both amazing and pretty, both to stand for fame and pop stardom. And both of us are separated because of direct provision from our fathers. We can't travel to our fathers and they can't travel to us. I haven't seen my father since 2006 and he was the cleverest person I knew. I haven't seen my father since I was three years old. Since I was three years old. And now I am 13 years old. That is about 10 years. I suppose the hardest thing is the separation from our fathers. It's really hard. Um, What's the hardest thing about being separated from your father, Manal? Because he taught me a lot of things and now I have to just teach myself. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Natasha. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, Daddy. Yeah. How was that, man? You reckon I can I can join your choir? Your yes, Daddy. Choir? Yeah. Where would you be? In the choir. Yeah. Where would we you We definitely be? put you as lead singer. Oh, my day. Thank you very much, Daddy. And Mom, what will we be doing like uh, for Christmas this year? Mm. Nothing. We. I don't know nothing. Nothing, Natasha. You know I don't have the money. If I get, if I get. Uh, maybe 10 euro or buy you a onesie and I'll buy myself a onesie and if I can get for Leon I'll buy him a onesie so on Christmas day we just wake up put on our onesies and we watch some TV and like are we gonna still have to go collect food from um, the dining room on Christmas day yeah we don't have a choice because I don't have if I buy you guys onesies then I won't have anything to buy us anything to make for Christmas. Unless you guys don't mind wearing your old pyjamas and then we use the money we'll buy onesies to buy something nice to cook on Christmas. Do you um, want to cook on Christmas? Me? Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. So oh. you go and collect food from the dining room. Oh, well, can we buy, you know, those little, uh, those crack things that you open, you rip them off and then you have like toys and stuff that come out of them? Christmas crackers. Yeah. We'll go and see how much they are first. Okay. And like, um, uh, for Christmas, like, so, dad, well, daddy just for staying, he'll be staying alone for Christmas. 
this year. Leave me alone for Christmas. We'll try and we'll call him. We'll Skype him on Christmas and then you can say Happy Christmas to him. But mom, it's not fair. Not even on Christmas or your birthday. You can't even see your dad. I know. Life is not fair. So the way I see it is, we're all people and it's our world. So we should be allowed to travel freely and go and live in a different country freely even when we're having trouble back home. Mm. But you see, it's not the way it works. <laughs> That's how it should work, but it's not the way it works. Mm. You know, this world is now divided up so much and people, you know, just like you have your own toys, you say they are your toys. And someone else has to ask you if they can play with your toys. And whether you say yes or no determines whether that person will play with your toys. If you say no, then that person can't play with your toys. It's the same as the world. It's been divided up into pieces for people. And people decide whether you should go and stay there or not. That's the same thing. It's like, um, it's like a lucky dip. One day your name is picked up and you're lucky. That's what it looks like. So all we can do is pray to God that one day our name is picked out of the ball. Mm. That's all we can do. Okay, mm. thanks anyways, Mama. Okay. Bye-bye. The state pays about 50 million euros a year to private firms which provide food and accommodation to asylum seekers. Many of these companies are large organisations involved in the property, hospitality or catering business. Company accounts show these firms are highly profitable and have made millions in profits in some cases. In one sentence, I want you to tell everybody out there what you want and what you want them to help you with. I want them to... Oh, don't lose hope first. And it's not a matter of life and death, but direction, direct provision should stop. We need, to, we need to stand on our own two feet and work with our own two feet. Well, make me, take me, and create me. Just tell me that I'm beautiful. Make me, take me. Feel like the world's falling on top of me And I feel like the world won't let me be Okay, just wear something warm Oh my god, it's so dark outside Because I have to have a yoga because I just had my vitamin Sometimes you wonder if it's going to be your day, that you're going to get your papers. Hello, Auntie! It's recording. Yes. Imagine what it would be like to get your status. I've thought about it a thousand times. I'd love to have my own house. I'd love to see my mother happy. 
cooking dinners, and I'd love to see my father there. Me too. I'd love to see my father and tell him how much I really love him. I know it's tough and everything, but I still dream that I'll end up in Oxford and I'm going to be either a dietitian or a plastic surgeon. Yes, and I'm going to be a medical doctor and I'm going to see you there too. You just got to keep waiting and hoping. Hi. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Bye for now.